Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Fiends. Uh, you can call us the Miserable Fiends, the Loser Fiends, the We Suck Fiends. It's all just a joke. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say anymore. I'm just going to toss it to Riley. Riley, how do you feel? Uh, I think I'm just going to stop doing these. I think for, <laughs> because I feel like every it's now it's now no longer a coincidence. It is now a pattern that... <laughs> Every time we record that the Celtics have lost and And this been, is the worst one yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. This this was it, I think. So yeah, this is it. My series is over. Um and yeah, that was just an absolutely brutal uh game five. Um and I can't believe Joel Embiid and James Harden are gonna break the sixer curse and I hate both those guys so much. Like I hate them so much. I hate watching them on TV. And I, I, the fact that I may have to watch them in the, the NBA heat. Finals is going to be it's disgusting. The first, though, that's even worse. I, I will not be watching any of those games. The Heat and the Sixers. Oh my God, this is just, it's just not great. Yeah, we're coming in. I mean, off. Just a brutal – they ended up losing by only, like, 10, but that's because Pritchard just, like, went off at the end there. Yeah, garbage time threes, yeah. yeah. When you're tied 2-2, you have the home game. I mean, the Celtics just have to come away with this win, and it was just – I don't even know what to say. It just was a disaster all around. Um, I don't even they, know who to blame. Is there somebody you want to blame? Uh, Yeah, there's a couple of people. I think the first one you could start with Al Horford because he yeah. could not make a single bucket to save his life. Um. He was just taking wide open. Th- they were giving him the PJ Tucker uh, shots, and he was just taking wide open threes. And B just like wasn't even testing him. He was missing all of them. He couldn't hit a single thing. Um, so he's definitely number one. Not not too big of a fan of his. Um, I think Joe Mazzula, a huge huge factor. He uh, just was like his big chance to try to right the ship was he goes all right, Jalen, stop covering James Harden. We're going to let Malcolm Brogdon do it. And Malcolm Brogdon proceeded to just get consistently cooked the entire time. Um, so that was really bad. Um, I, I, a lot of people, I was looking on Twitter a little bit before we started, and a lot of people were blaming Tatum. But um, I, I thought he was he played honestly fine. He just he took started bad, but then he after the first quarter, I mean, he was the only Celtic who really showed up. Yeah, well, it's funny because in the first quarter, I feel like this is just kind of going back to the uh, game four. He essentially just takes on like the Draymond Green role where he's just like hustling and grabbing rebounds and like chucking the ball out for assists and everything. And he looks great. But I mean, there's only so many things you can do if you can't actually make like a jump shot. Jalen Brown just stopped shooting again. I don't know what happened with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I also blame the refs because. Not just be not because the the Sixers won, but because every team took a billion free throws and it was just so boring. And uh, that was that. So that was, everyone I'm mad at. You brought up two things I wanted to touch on. I'll start with the Jalen Brown thing. I don't know. This just speaks to my theory and take on the Celtics that there's just something wrong. There's something off. I don't know what it is. But the guy was like seven eleven for eleven in the first half. And then just, like, didn't shoot. He barely shot all game. It just seems like there's something off within, like, the hierarchy or whatever. It seems like Marcus Smart thinks he's, like, the number one guy. And I want to talk about more on him a little bit later. 
but it just I don't know if you have a feel yet. We've I've been hinting at this for like weeks now that there's just something wrong with that like Jalen Brown situation and just whatever with Tatum or whoever thinks they're the alpha. I don't know. Do you have a feel of anything with that yet, or is it still just a mystery? We might find out something in the off season. I mean, it it it's weird though because it's not even like it's not even like he's forcing up shots. Like he's not like looking for the ball. They're obviously not drawing anything up for him. And it's this game started exactly like in game four that they also lost is that he was just immediately like, you're right, like going quick and like shooting and like scoring quick and as being the number one scorer. And then he just kind of like fizzles out of the game and like does not get touches or anymore. No drawn up plays for him. And yeah, they're drawing up like place for like Derek White to take like contested threes. And it's just like, I don't know what you guys are doing here. Um, something is weird. I, but I, to me, it, it, it never does. It, it doesn't ever feel like Tatum and Brown are ever like looking for each other in these big playoff games. If for some reason it was all fine during the, the, uh, the regular season, but this one, it sees a much more like my turn, your turn kind of thing. And it looks very off putting. And I think the over-reliance on like shooting a million threes is just honestly, what's killing them. Yeah, I just feel like last year's finals run, you could tell that they just had a flow to this team. Like, everything was working, the ball movement, people were hitting open shots. Obviously, Al Horford was, like, helpful in that series, which I think is a completely different animal, too. But even going back to the regular season, like, that one stretch where the Knicks beat them twice, and then there was that, like, wait, what's going on with the Celtics stretch during the regular season? It's almost the similar stuff now. And, yeah, they were able to get by the Hawks, but it looked ugly. And this entire series has basically looked ugly. And I don't know, again, I think we're going to find out something. I don't know. It just seems like a disaster. It's all, I think Jalen Brown's going to end up leaving. I mean, if I think the writing's on the wall. Do you feel that way at this point? No, I do not. I do not. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm being biased, but. It just doesn't I mean, feel gonna... right, man. It doesn't look like, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. They're going to pay him the max, and uh, that'll be that. So. All right, yeah, fine. I, uh, the other point you brought up was Missoula, and I don't. I mean, he was bad in this game. I felt like there were like you brought up the Malcolm Brogdon adjustment, whatever. Uh, but I think he was awful a few games earlier in the series, like uh, the one where Philly won by one, where he's just not calling his timeouts or whatever. I think he's just a problem. How do you feel about Maz? I know you've been up and down, and I always ask you your take on him because I think he's bad. Uh, where do you stand on him now? And kind of how he's been throughout the series, nevertheless, just this game. Yeah, um, I definitely think that the last game was a was a big turning point for me. I, I again, like, I'm normally, like, all on board of, like, letting the dudes play. So I didn't hate the um, – I didn't hate the last call to end overtime, even though it was just the imp- improper look. I was much more wary of the actual setup of – um getting into overtime right the fourth the same kind of things happen they're they're just not getting like good looks or plays or anything and i i mean kind of what you brought up earlier like it seems like they're drawing up like plays for like marcus smart to be like facilitating the offense and it's just like i mean again like yeah like i've been like a fan of marcus smart on and off i've had my problems with him but like on no world should he be the number one offensive facilitator. Like he's the guy where like, when he starts making crazy shots, like the place, like the roof comes off, you shouldn't be relying on him to like 
be the one getting all the buckets. So, yeah, I mean, he can just he can just be an issue, and I feel like he, he takes way too long to, like, really figure out adjustments, and he wants to kind of see how things play out. And it worked very well for them during the regular season this year, but um was an absolute horror show so far this playoffs. And I think it's the reason that they're just blowing these big games. Yeah, I I still think, as mean as I am to him and me calling him a bad coach, I think it's more so, like, not that he's actually bad. He's just way worse than Yudoka. And yeah. whatever happened with Yudoka in the offseason, whatever. But I think it's just Yudoka got shut, literally the maximum potential out of this group of Celtics. And Missoula just isn't able to do that. And I don't know if that should be a knock on him. I think Yudoka is just that good of a coach. I just think that ended up being a bigger deal than anyone would have thought it would be. Yeah, and maybe maybe I'm more defensive of Joe Missoula for that exact reason. I think like he's just like a fine coach, but he's no Ime Yudoka. But everyone treats him like he's like Jason Garrett. Yeah. Like, they're, like they're all just like he's like the biggest loser. He's not good at anything. And it's just like, all right, I, I don't think he's that bad. Like I, I, I feel like he's figured out a way. Like in the regular season, he was what made Malcolm Brogdon work so well off the bench and everything. But um, yeah, I, I feel like maybe it's like a style of his coaching isn't really suited for the playoffs. Maybe because like he just doesn't rotate out um enough of like the main core and kind of just keeps things rolling even when teams are like really start blowing away. But um, yeah, I mean the, the no timeouts thing really kind of started to show it's the hindrances that that could have on the game in game four. But I mean, luckily it didn't affect this game because the Celtics were never up and never really felt that close. So. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I don't know, I, I brought it up when you, you sent his comments in the pressers after what was it? Game two or three. When he's like, nobody wants to ask about the adjustments and whatever. Yeah. And I just feel like as a coach, man, you just can't be playing into the media like that. It's not a good look, especially now. Like, we brought it up. I was like, well, you wouldn't see Doc Rivers doing that. And then you're like, well, actually, Doc Rivers did do that. I'm like, wait, well, actually, that feeds my point because Doc yeah. Rivers is a mess too. So, I don't know. I just think it's a bad look. It's fine. Like, Julius Randle, me and John had a chance to talk about, it, like, his bad media comments last night. But it's one thing for a player to do. And I think your coach just cannot be involved in all that mess. Yeah. And uh, I think a, a large part of this is going to be, is like, he, at this point, it's like him and like the other JV coaches who are there with Udoka and everything. So maybe he doesn't really have a lot of like senior, like veteran presence in like the coaching room to like help him like yeah. put together stuff. Um, because obviously like losing Will Hardy and Ime Udoka is definitely shown to be. Um, an issue but yeah I, I think at the end of the day it, a lot of this kind of falls into the fact that um, when they're hitting shots uh, they look really good and um, unfortunately they feel like they haven't had any of their defense turned up to any sort of intensity to really close the whole thing out and especially it's hard when you got guys like Harden and Embiid who play so well against one-on-one -on -one, um, defenders to, to their advantage, either for a nice bucket or some free throws. So it's been really hard, and they, they haven't really found any adjustments. So we could ask Joe Mazzullo what adjustments he made in game two, but I would like to know what they are for three, four, five, and now six. So if you can let me know. Yeah, it just feels like, too, a lot of the role players you guys like needed to step up and contribute in the series just really haven't. 
Brogdon has been like solid sometimes, but then again, he was awful today. Derek White's been a no show, and he was what you're probably your third best player all year. Yeah, and I think that's taken a big hit, and you wonder if he's just not like a playoff guy because obviously he had some issues last year as well. And then like I, I, one more point on Marcus Smart, do you like Marcus Smart? Where do you stand? I uh, I'm like starting to really not like him personally. All right, I will plant my flag on the island that I still like him because when he goes when he's going crazy, he can work to elevate especially at a home game. He can elevate the entire environment around him and really push up the intensity. Um but I think again, a real coach a, a, um, coach with a much more veteran presence in the locker room would be able to stagger his minutes better and tell him not to be taking these nut shots. Um, but it feels like Joe Mazzulla doesn't want to do that because Marcus Smart kind of like has more time and legacy and sway there that I think he does. Um, and yeah, that's that's the big thing. Uh, the, the the other one who I I'm kind of a little bit out on is Rob at this point. Um, I'm I'm very impressed that he's able to play, but. Um, his lack of having any shot outside of like six feet from the basket has really made like all of his minutes feel like a complete non-factor. So. Yeah. I feel like he was a huge X factor for you guys last year and he's nowhere to be found this year. I I feel like nobody talks about that either. That's a really good point. I'm really praying, I think for a notification from ESPN tomorrow that Brad Stevens has decided to step in and coach for just the, <laughs> rest of the playoffs, and we can see how, how that takes it. But that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, what about, yeah, let me go up a little bit too. Yeah, I please. just feel I just feel like watching. I I brought up Marcus Smart because I just, I've been mad at him. I feel like he's part of the reason why I just like always find myself rooting against the Celtics for a little bit. He he reminds me of at least he's talented. Don't get me wrong, but he reminds me a lot of Dylan Brooks in the way he plays, and it bothers me. And I just don't – I don't know. I don't. He's normally the type of guy I'd like. But I think it's like the flopping. I think that's the issue I have with him more so. He's got to be the worst flopper in the NBA. Am I crazy? No, I mean, for like drawing fouls and, and everything, yeah, probably. But like he just like fucking he'll, – he'll literally just run into somebody and then just fly, or fly down to the ground. I think that's what I don't like. He, like, does it on purpose, where a lot of players will just, like, they'll get hit, and then they'll, like, embellish it. But he, he's like, oh, I got a play drawn up, guys. I'm just going to run into this guy and fly and hope that this works out. I think Yeah, that's, it's like Lowry. Lowry is, like, yeah. prime Lowry. Literally, that's a perfect example, yeah. Um. Yeah, no. It, it text the definition of a guy who you love it when it's on your team, but hate it when it's not. Unlike Dylan Brooks, who I think even the Grizzlies fans hate yeah, him. Yeah, nobody likes him. You're right. Yeah. That was an unfair comparison. Kind of um, like, I like the Kyle Lowry comparison better. The, the only the, – the part of the reasons I've always given that a pass is I can actually – I can name a couple examples where that alone won the team games <laughs> because he's just so good at, like, flopping and, like, the refs, the refs had no idea what to do. Yeah. So that I'll give, I'll give a pass for. But again, this is just me being like such a homer in denial that <laughs> I, I think I'm just so lost. I, if Jalen Brown leaves, I'm just going to be so angry. I, that'll be a fun offseason pod when he's in orange and blue and coming to New York to be our number two oh, guy. That, yeah, well, yeah, well, that, that's great because you need guys who uh, can really close in down in the fourth quarter in playoff games. And, I mean, he's been shown to be doing that all playoffs. So. <laughs> um, 
Well, should we talk about Philly? I feel like we have to talk about them a little bit. Yeah, you're right. I, I was going to make a Grant Williams comment, but I feel like it's in bad taste. There's not even a point. He, well, the fact that they were running him out tonight, <laughs> all the white guys, that's, <laughs> that's how like little respect they have for yeah. him anymore. So. I, yeah, I feel like Missoula put him in at one point. He's like, all right, let's try you. Let's see if you can guard him beat. He immediately fouled him twice on back-to-back possessions. And they're like, all right, well, that didn't work. You're That's out. That's that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, literally, running around at the end of the game was uh, it was Peyton Pritchard, uh, Grant Williams, <laughs> Sam Hauser, uh, Muscala, and I think Cornette. I think they were all white guys in the Grant Williams team. So, that that's the I give up lineup is yeah. what it is when those guys are out. All right, yeah. Let's move over to Philly. I guess my question to you is what what impressed you the most by them? Uh, last time we recorded, what was it? You, they were down. You were tied one one, or were you down even one zero? Do we record after? No, I, I, they were. They were. Actually, I'm pretty sure the last time we recorded it was one zero. Was because of Harden. Yeah, going yeah. You this. came in after a loss as usual. That's right. Yeah. So Embiid wasn't even in the picture yet. It was a big James Harden game. But I feel like we were all in the camp camp that, like, Boston was probably going to bounce back. They did, but then they obviously lose this game unexpectedly. Uh, I guess what has impressed you in the four games since, considering James Harden had two absolute stinkers, and those are the games you did win? Yeah. So I think what's impressed me the most, I, I mean, the, that's the first thing, Uh the consistencies of James Harden is like when he actually feel like he has to play and turn up the intensity, he's been playing very, very well and solid. But what's impressed me the most, honestly, is how much they've been able to get out of some of their bench guys. Like, like Melton has been able to actually give them like really solid minutes and play very well for him. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, B-ball ball. Even though now that Embiid's playing now, they don't give B-ball Paul any time, which is... When, uh, but when he's on the court, he makes an impact. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Even also, Daniel House today. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> that was the worst. Seeing House out there, I'm like, oh, we got to capitalize on the Daniel House minutes. And he's just absolutely torching them and, like, getting, like, good key steals. Uh, brutal. But I think that's the other thing, too, is uh, their defense has been nuts. And, like, when you think of Joel Embiid and... Harden, like you don't really think of guys who can perform well defensively, even Maxi to an extent. But every the whole team has like really felt felt like cohesive on defense, and I mean especially today. But um, they've all. I think those are the things that have kind of clicked for me the most. Yeah, I I feel like the the weirdest thing too is until tonight we didn't really have like an alpha Joel Embiid game. Today he was absolutely amazing, and he, he looked like the MVP he was all year. But yeah. to be tied 2-2 without him really showing up was a little bit of a warning sign, I feel like, because, I mean, James Harden basically won them two games. And now you got to worry, is Joel Embiid back? Like, is he healthy now? Because if he plays like he did tonight, hitting three threes too, which was insane, it's going to be tough to beat them. Yeah, I mean, they'll be going into Philly, who obviously is starving for this win. They want it bad, and Joel Embiid's going to want to put on a show. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably going to be a game where if that that's the time for the, them to really blow them out again like that's the perfect time um maxi has also slowly started crying to the guys where i'm like god i hate that guy like i i always kind of was a fan of his but now i've just got he was like steph curry out there with the entire time where it's like they're up 12 it's like all right there's a couple more threes they can get in 
hits another clutch bucket and they're, they're down 14. It's like, oh, God, like, just keep calling back. And he just – they're just basically two steps forward, one step back the entire way through because of him. Because, God, that guy on one-on-one, I, I, we've been talking about his promise for so long, but it feels like he's finally, like, coming out a little bit of it. And he's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's hit, hit six threes tonight. Like you said, a lot of them back-breaking. He was awesome. And he was awesome in game one. And I feel like uh, in between there, he wasn't really anywhere to be found. And I think that's another thing. It's like, it's just Harden, Maxi, and Embiid. If these guys are good, this team just rolls and it's hard to stop them. But without them, if one of them doesn't play well, there's just, I don't know if they have enough firepower. But like you saw tonight, all three were rolling and they absolutely destroyed you guys. So I don't know if your goal should be just to like stop one of them and hope you could beat the other two or what. How do you think the Celtics bounce back and try and come back in this series? Um, I think Al Horford needs to get in a time machine and <laughs> go back to being like 32 and then come out and maybe they have a chance um, because his whole thing has always been that like he's really good at, at like defending bigs and like offensive bigs. That's why he was like so good in the playoffs against Embiid all those years and even Giannis last year. But um, he's just not been able to really contain Embiid for the last couple of games ever since Embiid's, like, back from, like, let's say healthy. So it's, like, game three on. Um, so that's going to be something key. They have to figure out much, uh much better way to contain Embiid. Um, obviously, he's a much different player than when they used to own him for a little while. So that's going to be a little bit tough. Um, I think a huge thing is going to be um, figuring out, again, with Maxi like, Derek White has become hard to play because of how little he's been able to produce on offense. But he is like probably the best. He's the best defensive guard on the team right now. And you need him on Maxi if uh, Jalen's going to be on James Harden. So that needs to happen. They need to figure out those guard minutes a little bit more effectively. And then we just got to have Jalen Brown a little bit more active in the second half of games. So that, that just that needs to happen if they're going to have any chance of winning. My last question for you on this uh, series, uh, we talked obviously about how um, I kind of felt like the Celtics were a little bit different this year, um, but I've also made pretty clear on this podcast that I think there's something different about this Philly team this year. Having watched them now five games with your team losing to them, do you feel like it's more of a Celtics choke job, or do you think there actually might be something different about Joel Embiid and the Sixers team? and? The way they're playing this year, I I think I think the the frustrating thing, because I'm 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 not going to answer your question because I, I apologize because it's hard because the frustrating thing is I I think you're right I think this Philly team has a little bit more of a hardness to them and maybe it's because of, of freaking PJ I don't know <laughs> what but um maybe they, they just seem like they have a little bit more of an attitude where they're not really willing to just kind of roll over like they have in the past um but at the same time i still feel like the celtics are just a better team and they just have not been able to prove that out and so that's kind of making that's it's very frustrating i do think i think the sixers team is probably the best team that Embiid's had except that like three month run where they had jimmy butler as well but maybe this is the most balanced team um and I think that they are uh, very, very good. And I think probably if they end up taking the Celtics down, they'll be considered the favorite. Uh, whether I think that they're actually like 
a good team without a lot of flaws. I I don't know, but um, yeah, I would say yes and no. They're different, but uh, the Celtics should still be winning. I'm glad you brought up PJ Tucker too, because I I think he does make a huge difference. I mean, after he had that and one in Game Four, he's yelling and screaming in Embiid's ear. They ha- they've been playing excellent basketball ever since. That veteran presence, that leadership. PJ Tucker only plays on winning teams, man. Yeah, another guy I just absolutely hate. Another, it's, it's crazy. It's God, he, he just always finds his way to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know what to tell you. And then, the, well, the other the other funny one is, um, I was I was all set to come on here and just absolutely bash Tobias Harris because that guy runs around out there, and I feel like he's he's out there for like forty two minutes a game, and I feel like I never hear his name once. Like he's just moving around. But then he actually like played pretty well and got a couple of good shots that he he really helped them to uh, to take most of the series for the most part. Um, but yeah, like for some reason, Tobias Harris went from like this unmovable contract, and it's like oh my god, now like he has to be the second star with an Embiid, and it's like a big three of Embiid, Simmons, and Tobias Harris, and now like I feel like I just never hear about him ever. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we quickly transition, um, do you have anything you want to say about Knicks, uh, Knicks Heat, and Warriors Lakers, or do we just go right into what we're focusing on? Um. Oh, what could I possibly say about uh the Knicks and the Heat? I feel like every game has been incredibly boring. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Don't put me through it. Actually, yeah. let's, oh, fuck it. Let's don't. I don't want to talk about these series anymore. I'm okay. glad you have anything to say. All right. Um, quickly on the Suns and Nuggets before we go. Uh, we last recorded uh, the Nuggets up 2 nothing, and we kind of felt like that series was absolutely over. Uh, then Devin Booker and Kevin Durant just – I mean, they – I don't – what do you have to say? Like, that's insane what they've done. Yeah, so I think the number one thing I wanted to talk about with you, and he it's obviously the story of the of the whole thing, but um Devin Booker and how good of basketball he is playing right now. I think what a problem that I always kinda had with him is it never felt like it always felt like he was like a fake alpha. You know what I mean? Where it was like he's one of those guy uh he's one of those guys who just like good stats, bad team, like He's got swagger on while his team's winning like 30, 36 games a year or whatever. Um, and it, it's crazy to me how much of an alpha he feels like when he's playing against one of the best players in the world and a player who's better. And Kevin Durant feels that he can defer and should defer to Devin Booker because Devin Booker is probably the MVP of the playoffs right now, maybe Jimmy Butler. But, I mean, he's just playing absolutely incredible. Yeah, I never would have imagined that this version of Devin Booker existed. And you're right, there's almost like an extra level of alpha that has shown through in these playoffs. And I do wonder if it's just that Kevin Durant effect of just having him on the court with you just makes basketball that much easier. Uh, But also, I think it's just uh, that he stepped up his game a little bit. And it's, it's funny because those two are literally the only good players on the team. Nobody else is doing anything and we said that this would happen where like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are probably going to ball but there's no one else helping them and they're still going to lose them doing what they're doing they're still able to win games because it's exceeding expectations that much like they're averaging I think like 80 points per game 
which is just absolutely insane. And no help. Uh, they got help from Landry Shamit one of the games. That was huge yep. in game four. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that, but that's literally the only help they've pretty much gotten. Aiton's been awful. Torrey Craig, Okogi, nowhere to be found. Uh, Chris Paul's been injured. Yeah, that's true, too. And Cameron Payne hasn't really done anything in his stead. Uh, it's basically those two guys against a great Nuggets team, and they're finding a way to be competitive. I think that's amazing. And shout-out to Jock Landell, man. That guy yeah. actually, like, is very valuable to this team. And, like, it, it, it really makes you, makes you think, because, like, we've always been – Aiden, don't know if I see it. He's he's not aggressive. He's not assertive. Um, the offense looks. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm literally watching it right now. They just look way better when Jock Landell is on the floor. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it, it speaks volume too to that MBL program and how they develop players because the players that play in Australia they develop this cohesiveness that you just don't see out of guys like DeAndre Aiden. So just shout out to the MBL and how they develop they're big men because it's a great league and look what it's doing for the Suns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I think the big thing is like, I, I don't, I don't think my, my opinion has changed though. I think I'm still going to go Denver, but like, could this theory, could this last? Could, <laughs> could the Suns and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant carry a junior varsity basketball team to the NBA <laughs> finals? Is it possible? I think it is, which is crazy. I definitely am not flipping. I still feel confident in the Nuggets just because they're just a way better all-around basketball team. I just think it speaks more to how impressive uh, Booker and KD have been that they've even won two games. Because, again, we all counted them out. We thought the series was absolutely over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the Nuggets, too, like, they haven't been playing great. I mean, Jokic, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, Jokic has been incredible. Yeah, yeah. He's been phenomenal. Um, but other than that, I mean, they have not been, but not been too impressive. MPJ been a complete ghost. He has not been a, a piece of this team at all, and it's very, very frustrating to watch for them for a team that has all these huge aspirations. Uh, yeah, he has just looked absolutely horrible. Um, I, and as we as we watch this, I think Devin Booker just twisted his ankle. So I know. that's not good, but. Yeah, anything else you want to say about this series? or? Yeah, well, well I want to talk about uh, game four with uh, Matt Ishbia. And he, oh, good. He's hit him in the head. And, and it's funny because, like, he, like, immediately – he's brand new to the, the organization. He's only been here for probably three months, and he's already, like, getting into trouble with everybody. Yeah, and it's – it's funny, too, because he was on the Bill Simmons podcast, like, a week before, too. And I was like, yo, this guy seems pretty cool. Like, uh, seems like he's down to earth, whatever. And I kind of – I fucking love that he's just getting involved. And I love Devin Booker's uh, comments after the game. He's like, he got us a point. That's pretty cool. Like, what owners are getting you a point? Like, I don't know. I, I was kind of buying into it. I also think it was a complete flop, which I thought was so funny. Yeah. Jokic, like, Jokic gave him an elbow, but, like, it wasn't a huge deal. And I am very glad that – both Ishbia came out and said, like, don't suspend Jokic, and, like, they didn't suspend Jokic, because I thought that would have been a little too over the top. If they had suspended Jokic, that would have been absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the Nuggets, again, like, what's very frustrating is they, they have, like, signs of brilliance when everything's clicking around Jokic, but then, like, sometimes, like, nobody else can score, and when he has to just, like, do hero ball, like, it almost works, but... Again, it it just doesn't work when you have two guys who can average like forty. You're averaging forty a game. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, they just need more help. It's 
it's interesting to watch. I don't know if I enjoy it or not, but it's definitely made for some good games at least. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just great to see Aiden just, like, be a complete non-factor. He's gone. Like He's got to be gone. they got to move on from him and figure some stuff out. That's probably how they get some depth back this offseason is trading him for something and then building some – they'll free up that salary and then see what they can do around these two pieces. But, again, last we counted them out last podcast, and they won two games in a row, so you never know. But I'm still sticking. I think the Nugs got it. Well, I'm I'm going to get locked into this series right now because there's a solid chance that the winner of this series is who I'm rooting for to win the whole thing at this point because if it ends up being the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, <laughs> and the Los Angeles Lakers, I need – I don't even – I don't care who it is. I don't care if, if we get Chris Paul and DeAndre Eden co-holding the trophy. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, this, these are the guys that I need to win. I was saying it would be kind of fun to get a Nuggets Sixers finals and have Jokic and Embiid go at it. I think that'd be a fun storyline. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure for other people, not for me, <laughs> not 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 for me. I I can't I can't do that. But right. um, <laughs> it, it, I just can't. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a it, it's been a crazy series, man. I I I don't even know. I I I don't even know what to say at this point. I'm just disappointed and sad and a little bit annoyed and. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. Well, I, I, I appreciate you topping up and joining me again. Uh, I went through it yesterday. Yesterday was like the worst day of my life. I don't know if you got to listen to that pod, but it was, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a shit show. Uh, basketball's a mess for us right now, but we're powering through. It'll be an interesting uh, conference finals and finals for the hoop teams if things go as uh, they have been, because all of our teams will be out for the first time pretty much ever. Um, most of our rooting interests will be out, and we'll just have teams we're rooting against which will be the first time and historic a uh, part of this podcast it would be great though because like we're notorious haters that's and if true we could play off the being a hater that's true we won't have any our bias won't be towards our own teams our bias will just be in hating other teams exactly what well, I, I i really do think though if it's like it's like oh my god miami uh, Philly game four. I'll be like, maybe I'll just go to bed early. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't need to watch that. No, whatever. Someone, someone's gonna win. I'm not gonna be happy about it. Yeah. That'll be that. Um, the the one thing, one thing I wanted to bring up though, uh, small thing I was thinking about is if we get uh Philly in the Eastern Conference uh finals and the Lakers in the Western Conference finals, is that gonna make anybody or you? reevaluate uh the stance on the play in tournament and how the play in tournament kind of works. Well, I, I always like the play in tournament. Um and I think it's to be fair, the Heat and Lakers were both seven seeds, so they would have been in the playoffs no matter what. Yeah. Um but I don't know. I think it's a good point to bring up. It's definitely something to think about because maybe it got them rolling, maybe it got them to figure some stuff out early. But then again the Heat looked god awful in the play in. So who knows, man. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't even really know what to say at this yeah. point. Um, just hopefully we're in better spirits when whenever we hop on this podcast. Now. Let's go Nuggets, I guess. Yeah, nuggets are pretty much all we have left. Um, I'm I still have some stock in Philly. I'll be rooting for Philly a bit, but I understand why you will not, and I understand why most people will not. Um, but yeah, thanks for hopping on with me and powering through. Uh, I am gonna send it. Uh, I have a surprise guest. Uh, to recount uh game five of philly or no uh phoenix denver 
So after this game is over, um, we'll have a quick little recap of that and to kind of talk about where that series is going. So I'm going to send it to future me now. All right, I'm here after game five, Suns Nuggets. I got Pledge Mild, Jake DeGruccio here with me to cover it. One of the more confident people, I'd say, in the Nuggets to win the series uh, that I've seen. Uh, can you just talk about kind of what you've seen from the Nuggets this series that's made you so confident in them? And in this game, just what you thought was the reason they were just so dominant now. Absolutely. Well, we could get the Jokic card right off the board right away. I mean, the dude dropped 50 in like one of the rare losses that they've had in the postseason. But no, I look at this Suns team and I think, wow, this would actually be a one or a two seed, a really great team in the NBA next year. I, I do not think they had enough time post-trade deadline to really like gel with the the starters they had in, in embedding Kevin Durant in the system they had. And I think it's showing in these playoffs going up against one of the more elite contenders of the Western Conference. Yeah, I feel like uh, something uh, our podcast touched on a lot is just basically the depth uh, that the Nuggets have compared to the Suns have. Absolutely. And in the first two games of the series, you saw that shine for Denver. And that's why they kind of ran away with both games. And then in games three and four, the Suns kind of rallied back, basically just on the backs of Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker. And in this game, it's just back to the same old story. Uh, the Nuggets blew out the Suns, and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker didn't really play well. And they live and die by that. I mean, and I use play well lightly because they combined for 54 points. Uh, KD had 26, Booker had 28. But by their standards and how they were carrying the team, they were averaging like 40 points each. Um, and that that's just not going to be enough to get it done. You have a Kogi scoring one point. Uh, Torrey Craig chipped in two. Uh, and just they just didn't get much production from the bench. And if Kevin Durant and Devin Booker aren't carrying the load, they're just not going to be able to get it done. What have you seen from the Suns that's kind of been – Is that are you on the same page? It's been more so their depth behind those two, or have you seen anything else that you didn't like? No, the depth is definitely an issue. Um, I, I – like early on the series, like games one and two, and even like in series prior to this, I was always looking at Monty Williams like, why don't you play a lot more of these guys? Like why don't you play Josh Cody? Why don't you play uh, – like Tory Craig and Terrence and Ross, TJ Warren, Terrence Ross, like all these guys that they like should be relying on from their, you know, second rotation, third rotation. Now I'm starting to understand it because they're just not putting <laughs> up the numbers that they good, need. Yeah. They're not able to compete. On top of this, you got the abysmal or not abysmal. I'm not going to say that more underwhelming, severely underwhelming performance of DeAndre Ayton in the postseason. Pretty bad. I think yeah. like people are expecting him to be able to go or at least not people, but the Suns are expecting and hoping for him to be able to go toe-to-toe with the back-to-back <laughs> MVP of the last two seasons. And that's a big ask, but I think he could have delivered more than he has thus far. He's definitely been underwhelming. Uh, Kevin Durant has also been quite underwhelming. And you know, we, yes, we know it's Kevin Durant. We know he's like a top three player in the NBA. But the trade that the Suns made, giving up all that they did to get Kevin Durant from the Nets, that's like – you're asking for this guy to be your clear number one option to be able to put up feats of the likes of LeBron James. And I, he just hasn't been able to do that this postseason. It's, it, it's crazy to think that Devin Booker is like the best player on this team in this postseason when Kevin Durant is on the roster. 
that's my biggest problem. Yeah, you brought it up. It almost just seems like this team is destined to be really good next year. It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's going to work out right now. And I mean, we had another Jokic masterclass tonight, 29, 13, and 12. It's like almost expected. You're numb to it because this is just what he does on the daily. But like, you you put those stats on like a guy like, uh, like I don't know. You put that you put those stats on Steph last night. People will be raving about it. But like, no one raves about it when it's Jokic because like this is just well, what he does on the daily. I'm looking. I mean, 29, 13, and 12 was his worst game of the series. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. That's still really. <laughs> Really effing good he game. had 53, 4 and 11, 30, 17, and 17, mm-hmm. 39, 16, and 5. And then game one, he was mediocre with 24 and 19. He's, I mean, he's taken losing the MVP race quite hard. Yeah. Not, not quite hard, quite personally, I should say. Yeah, you're just seeing just an all around better team just coming through. And no matter how good Devin Booker and KD are, it's just not enough. And I mean, they got 25 points from Bruce Brown off the bench tonight. I didn't even realize that. He was That's phenomenal. And then <laughs> me and you were, like, standing up with jaws dropped from Christian Brown, the he, rookie for plays this time. He was making. took Kevin Durant and just hammered yeah, it down. Behind the back pass, slams it over they KD. Were up 20. It was like, insane. That was, oh, my God. And then you're getting, to injury. Yeah, you're getting 20 out of Porter, 20 out of Murray, 10 out of Aaron Burr, 7 out of Pope. They're just all around, have so much more talent, so much more depth. And I just think it's going to be tough for anybody in the West to beat this team uh, with the teams that are left anyway. I think the Lakers are the only team that have the depth to kind of go at them. And that's on a good day, though. And that's on a good day when Anthony Davis and LeBron are playing well and Lonnie Walker is dropping 15 in the fourth quarter. Lonnie, the fourth quarter Walker. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I guess this game kind of just – it solidified our beliefs. A lot of people in our circle were pretty confident in the Nuggets to win the series, and I think we were a little thrown off by the last two games of the Suns and how they were able to win both at home and tie things up. But again, when Kevin Durant and Booker are scoring 90 points combined or whatever it was, that's going to happen. Yeah. So they weren't able to do that tonight, and moral of the story is they weren't able to get things done. I'm going to close it out real quick with you because I don't know the next time you'll be on or have a chance to talk on the pod. I know we were talking a little bit off the mic about what you're rooting for and who you think is going to win. I'll put you on the spot here. Who do you want the finals matchup to be and who do you think it'll be? All right. I'll tell you right now, based on the teams left, I would love a Warriors Heat finals. Um, I'm pulling for the Heat out of the East just because, come on, like an eight seed in the finals, that's awesome. And a Jimmy like, Butler I, ring. Yeah, and a Jimmy Butler I don't think ring. that's a very popular opinion, but I respect it because I'm a Heat guy. I love Jimmy Butler, but like, I've always liked him, but this postseason, as just he's he wants it. Like, yeah. he is out for blood, and I love it. I'm so. And they just have no talent, which is so it's funny. True. It makes it's it so true. much more fun. It's like they have Kyle Lowry as a starting a bunch point of guard. Retired yeah. two years. Like ba- it's, like Bam's great, but then it's like Max Struess and Kate Vincent running around. Like the fact that Kevin Love is like crazy. actually creating a difference for this team. Yeah. Like wow, you guys do. You guys have a depth issue, and it doesn't help that Victor Oladipo is out again or might never play an NBA game again. Yeah. For all we know. But, um, Where do you think things are going to ultimately? I, 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 as it could be biased that I have towards the Heat because I just said they are the team I'm rooting for the East. I think they could get to the finals. I think they could. At the East, I, I'd say the Heat are my number one pick right now from all the teams left. And then the West, um, honestly, look, I, I think the Nuggets are great, and I think they have one of the most well-rounded efficient consistent teams that we've seen in a postseason in a long time i just don't believe in them yet because they in the past five years of Jokic dominance i think they've only made it to one conference finals and look that's great but 
you haven't made it to the big dance of the NBA. You know, you haven't made it to the finals yet. I need to see that happen before I believe it. So I think that whoever wins the Warriors Lakers series is going to be going to the finals from the West. Wow. Okay. I don't hate it. Um, obviously, the Warriors down three one. So I would hate it if LeBron gets there. Um, I've made my takes pretty clear on how I want and think we're getting a Jokic versus Embiid. Uh, battle the back-to-back-to-back MVPs going at it. I think there would be a lot of fun in that center matchup. Uh, but you just want – you want chaos. <laughs> yeah, like chaos. Listen, like, and the Jokic versus beat him in the finals, that'd be great. I, I would be for that. But that's the only reason I would have to even want the Sixers anywhere near Yeah, you're the you're very anti-Sixers. Uh, the Sixers, in my opinion, are basketball terrorists. They are. <laughs> I, 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 they are a disgrace to watch on and off the court. All right. Well, I thank you for hopping on with me real quick. Um, the Hoop Beans will be back uh, later this week with Corey Grip. Corey Grip is coming on the podcast uh, for what he thought was to talk a Celtics uh, victory moving on on Thursday night. But uh, who knows what that's going to be like now. So Sorry, Corey. Yeah, we'll see. He might cancel on me because uh, he knows I've been rooting for the Sixers. Yeah, too. that's going to be a So we'll see what he ends up trying to do. It, might, it could end up being a solo pod. We'll see. Uh, so be on the lookout for that but uh, until next time you can follow us on at Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to keep up with what we've got coming out but no matter what I'll be on the airwaves on Thursday with or without Corey we will see Uh, and until then I'll catch you guys next time Hope face. Hope face. Hope face.